Hi, and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know, a podcast about the classical world, uh, old texts, old ideas that are still good, and um, yeah, just like, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, if you are interested in classical education, uh, we talk about that too, which is the movement that is sweeping America, classical education. Everywhere you look, around every corner, underneath every rock, there we are. Everywhere on YouTube. We're on the. We're a, talking about everyone's it. talking about classical education, or at least in like in our small circles. sectarian Christian circles. Um, <laughs> uh, my name is Graham Donaldson, and I am here with my good friends and fellow academics in all things classical, AJ Hannenberg. That's me, and Thomas Magby. Hello. And today we are doing part two of Rousseau. Yep, the man. Who destroyed a kingdom. No, the man who... He kind of wanted to. He wanted to. The man who changed the world. With political thought. With political thought. The man who, and then we also looked into it, did in fact run around naked in the caverns of Paris. <laughs> he did. So uh, I, in preparation for my second episode, I, I spoke with my brother-in-law, who's done a lot of studying with, of Rousseau and read his autobiography. I read a little bit of it, and who boy does that guy think a lot of himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The first pretty few lines are like, nature broke the mold after making me and read and judge for yourself. And so he's, he, you know, he thinks a lot of himself and he used to run around exposing himself to people in public because it gave him a thrill. And a couple of times he got caught and had to talk his way out of it. So this is the guy we're talking about. And besides being a weird creep from the 1700s, he also wrote some pretty influential political books, one of which is The Social Contract. And that is what we're discussing today, The Social Contract. Guys, remember what the social contract is from episode one. Oh, by the way, if you're interested more about the person and in episode one, you can find that a little further down on the old podcast list. Um, just go back and listen to that if you're curious. What do you guys remember? It's like a defense of why government exists or the relationship between governed and governor. Okay. What's, what's the relationship? Um, it is given by the consent of the governed. Okay. We each individually have these rights that we choose to give to some centralized authority, the government, and it's through our choice of entering into that contract that gives authority to the sovereign, I think was the word you used mm -hmm. in the last episode. Yeah, the sovereign and I'd say the state or the government is, they're two different things in his thinking. So the sovereign is the collective unified will of the people. That's what the sovereign is, right? So that, that sovereign is in sort of in charge of everything and that should be what drives the state. Um, so it's like what's trending? <laughs> essentially, yes, right? It is, uh -oh. it is take away the extremes. We talked about this on the last podcast, how do you determine the general will? And it's math, the, basically the mathematical mean. If you take away the extremes on other sides, they'll cancel each other out. Then you have the basic thrust of the people and what they want. And that is the sovereign unified general will. That's not great. So it's like, you know, those memes where you have the bell curve and you got the troglodyte on one side and the like sage on the other side and the angry dude in the middle. Yeah. No one listens to the guys on the sides. The angry dude in the middle is sovereign. Wins always. Uh oh. Yeah. So it's, it's essentially the center and what the people want, the people get. And it is by their consent that they are ruled. And to and basically what that means is that they rather than live out my life alone in the woods with a, nothing but a spear to save me. Any anybody here watch alone? You ever seen that show? alone. No. no, I hear it's cool though. It's cool. They send survival experts out into the wilderness to try to survive as long as they can. And they can tap out if they want to. And they can tap out if they want to. And they're never told how many people are left. So oh, it's they are, competition. Oh yeah. For like 500 grand. Oh, man. So they are alone for like 70 days, sometimes 80. And eventually many of them have to be pulled because they are literally starving. Oh, and sounds like a dream. Doing irreversible organ damage. Being alone for 80 days did in you, the woods. Sorry, did you listen to the end of what he just said? Yeah, yeah. Starving organ damage. But oh, I mean, uh, well, that's the thing is like these people are experts <laughs> at surviving and many times they have to leave because they simply cannot exist on their own. They can't find food. They can't do all the things they need to do. They get hurt. Right. They need what they need is, you know, a, a butcher, a hunter. They need someone yeah. to farm. They need a doctor. And so rather than live out yourself, right, rather than do what the people on a loan are doing, you give up some of your rights to have all of those rights essentially handed back to you by the, the grand populace. Right. So rather than having to defend yourself, the state will defend you. But to do that, you sort of have to give up all your rights to the state. That is the social contract. Gotcha. I get back what I put in, essentially. 
right? And more because you because you are getting the the benefit of everybody else doing the same thing. Exactly. So it's a good contract, right? This yeah. is the social contract. We want to, we all want a better life for ourselves. We all want to be defended. We all want justice. We all want peace. We want to build a business without everybody getting in our business. <laughs> there was no other way to finish that sentence. I just had to roll with it. Um, we had to, we want to run our business in peace. And so we give up all of those rights. That's the social compact. Um, and so we went through a bunch of that last episode. I don't want to belabor everything. And if the government are being real big jerks about it, we get to, we have like the ability to. Well, we haven't gotten there yet. Oh, okay. He hasn't discussed what happens if things are going screwy. Gotcha. Basically if, but if the will is not being followed, well, the people have the mad. right to change the will. Yeah. We'll right? go back to the woods. Yeah, exactly. We can we can change our system of government at will. And I assume he means by revolution, right? If a people doesn't like the way things are going, they can revolt and overthrow throw things. Um, over the weekend, didn't... Wasn't Sri there a Lanka. big one? Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what happened? Do you remember? Um, they overthrew the... They stormed the, the, the president's home, mm-hmm. and he uh, agreed to step down and do some kind of transfer of power, and it's still sort of ongoing. I saw a list of... Um, countries where there are uprisings currently and there's a lot i mean as soon as as soon as food prices hit a certain number you start seeing crazy things food and oil prices as soon as those things rise there are pictures of the insurgents watching their own protest from inside his bedroom which is pretty awesome like they turned on the president's tv (laughs) i saw them swimming in a swimming pool yeah they they, and they like (laughs) ate ate his big feast and stuff so he, he was a man with a lot of power and now they're all enjoying it together in the presidential palace i'm sure revolutions seem great on day one yep Well, they might be a little bit bloody on day one, too. Maybe on day, like, two, they feel real good. Day six, it's just like, that was awesome. And then then it's going to go downhill. Yeah, three months in, it's rough. Um, okay, so one thing that you get in the social contract is real property, right? I get to have this piece of property because everyone else says that I can keep it, right? That's one thing that comes with it. Appreciate it. Okay, and so we got to book two. Now, book two, I'm hoping to get through book two and book three today. I don't want to spend a full four episodes on this thing. Um, it's fun, but it's maybe not worth a full episode gotcha. or full, full four. So we'll attempt to derail you as many times as we can. I appreciate that. That's super sweet. <laughs> um, okay. Sovereignty is inalienable, inalienable, meaning that we cannot give away our general will, right? It's just something you can't do. Um, that's, that's the first part of book one. It can't be trans transmitted. The will cannot be transmitted. Power can be, right? If someone comes and takes over our country, they are no longer doing our general will. We are now under a different system, right? It's not the social contract anymore. This is essentially slavery, right? Yeah. We are being ruled not at our own will. Um, but he says that the w- will cannot be taken. Like you can't for like you can't, can't make me change my mind. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The will of the people is always the will of the people, no matter who's in charge. It's just, is there a legitimate government or not? But at one point you get to slavery instead. But can't Master you get like slowly nudged in a direction be- until you get to the point where you actually think it's what you wanted, but you've just kind of been like slowly pushed that way like a kindergarten teacher? Oh, thank you for leading directly into the next chapter, oh, which is that wow. the, the general will is fallible. We oh, okay. don't Never always mind. know what we want. Cool. So we always will our own good. But we don't always know what that good is, right? We don't always know how I always to get will, there. I always will my own good. Mm-hmm. Right. The people mm-hmm. is never corrupted, but it is often deceived, mm-hmm. which is what you were talking about. Debatable. So here, a, a quick quote. I have a lot of quotes that we'll read today. I hope most of them are short. There's a couple long ones, but I'll warn you. So there's often a great deal of difference between the will of all and the general will. The latter considers only the common interest, while the former takes a private interest into account. It is no more than a sum of particular wills, but take away from these same wills the pluses and minuses that can conceal one another, and the general will remains as the sum of the differences. That's what I was talking about earlier, right? Some of the differences is the general will. Um, okay, next up is where I'm excited because we get to do the quiz game. You guys oh, ready for yes. quiz game? I love no. quiz game. Buckle up, You don't want to do quiz game? No, no, I'll do it, but I'm not ready for it. Oh, okay. Okay, so where... Where does the sovereign power of the state stop? What is it not allowed to ask of its citizens? The changing of their will. Um, Look at ask. I mean, you're probably right there, but that, that's one thing that they couldn't change even if they asked. I don't know. When they force. Using force, like punching me in the face. Nope, they can do that. Oh. <laughs> oh we're going to go around again. Um, what can't they do? It has to be something where they can't, there must be something they can't trample on of the individual. 
I'm, again, Will was my first guess. Property would be another. They can't break that compact they've made with us in the first place. I don't know how to put that into Rousseau's words, though. Yeah, doesn't he couch everything in rights? So maybe they can't, like, take, they can't take away my rights. They cannot ask you to do anything that is not useful to the population at large, right? So yeah. it can't be anything that isn't kind of for the good of everybody. That's where it stops. Um, can they ask you to go to war? Yes. yes. Why? Because it could be useful for everybody else. Yes. Um, and you would do it naturally on your own, right? Yeah. If you are living alone on this show alone, if a bear comes in and starts stealing your meats, what are you going to do? I'm going to fight that bear. You're going to fight that bear. Right. If you're living on your own and some random dude from Canada comes down and starts, you know, stealing all your stuff, taking all the good classes and teaching American government, what are you going to do? Give that guy a beer. You're going to give yeah, that guy a beer. Befriend that Canadian. He sounds like a great guy. <laughs> but if he tries to take your house, what are you going to do? Oh man, uh, I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rough him up. Yeah, you're going to drop up. the gloves, boys. Yeah, exactly. Right. So you would naturally defend yourself, okay. and so if the state asks you to go and give your life for the state, mm-hmm. well, that is something you've already essentially asked from the state is to protect your life. So they're only asking you to do what you would do naturally otherwise. So the state can't tell me to do things that don't benefit everybody else. Right. So it, it shouldn't say like it's not for the good of the population. Then it's not part. The state of the deal. can't say like, hey. Donaldson, you need to lose like 20 pounds. You're getting a little little chunkers nope. there. Nope, and it can't, well, unless, so I think this would be the argument against that, is that if you're getting a little chunkers, and then you are getting medical care on oh. the public dime, then it is for the good of the public that you lose oh, a couple man. pounds. Uncle Sam, make me run. Yeah, exactly. So with, I, and this is, a, this is kind of an interesting offshoot of that that Rousseau doesn't talk about, is that if there are government programs that are being taken advantage of, well, all of a sudden now they can ask things of you that they couldn't ask of you before. Right. If I'm not on the medical, not on the public dime for medicine, they can never ask me to run a couple of pounds. Doesn't matter. The population has has like my weight has no bearing on the population. Oh man, it's the government overreach to the make s- us be healthier. Uh, yeah, the subtle creep it of sounds- the federal authority. But they could never ask you to like read your Bible. Mm. Or isn't it better? Isn't good for society that I'm a godly moral man? That you're a moral man. That's not necessarily the same mm. as reading your Bible. And they do ask you to be moral as far as the laws are concerned. Following so the then laws. what is something that they, what is a, a thing that isn't good for society that they can't ask you to do? Does he give that, an example? Like something absurd? Is good for the society? That no, they, no, no. That isn't, that is like benign. That, that they, they cannot ask yeah. you to do? Can't you just make an argument that's always good for everybody? To do whatever? Well, they could say like, uh, I don't know. Take your health. They could say, move, the, move that pile of rocks from there to there. And I'd be like, well, that seems pointless. Be like, honestly, it's... Better for the populace. It's better for population. What's, what can't they tell me to do? I think the rocks thing is, if it's on your own property, it has no bearing for the rest of the community. All right. Cool. Right? I think so, that's fair. So HOAs. Well, HOAs, <laughs> I, sure. are, those, are those governmentally sanctioned? No. I don't think so. They're, they are a um, form of government. They're a small, tiny form yeah, of government. People are gathering together. Right. Okay. Um, does the state have the power to take life. Yes. Yep. They can take your life. They can take your life. It's better for everybody else. It can be to the benefit of society to take my life if I'm a bad, bad person. Okay. Uh, You guys are right. Point for both. I actually want to keep track of this. Hold on. Let me start our notepad here. Graham got the last one, and then we just both shared that one. So Graham is at one or two. Well, Graham's at two. Graham's at two, and Magby at one. Okay. So, yeah, they can take your life. Essentially, you... So, here are a couple of quotes. He who wishes to preserve his life at others' others' expense should also, when it is necessary, be ready to give it up for their sake. Uh, The death penalty inflicted upon criminals should be looked on in as much the same light. It is in order that we may not fall victims to an assassin that we consent to die if we ourselves turn assassins. Right? You've asked the government to protect you from killers... So if you turn killer, well, your life is forfeit, right? Sure. So the death penalty, okay. So, so far, like there, there's, it seems like we're talking through stuff pretty quick, but there's a lot of things that this has political stuff on. Like you cannot dodge the draft, right? They can ask you to go to war if they want to go to war. What we if can do the death penalty. What if right? you're killing bad people? What do you mean? What if you've turned killer, but you're going after like mobsters? What if you're like uh, though that Irish movie? I haven't watched uh, it. Boondock Saints. No. So you're talking uh, Dexter, right? <laughs> sure. the, the serial killer who kills serial, serial That's killers. That's right. Do I for, can't uh, they're good, I, I have to be put to death if I'm captured? Well, but what I'm, you are asking of the government is to protect you from any nut job who thinks that he's killing people who he thinks are bad. Man, it sounds like I'm just letting the government do whatever they want. 
No, no, no. Like, I, you don't necessarily want that kind of vigilanteism where you are allowed to go away and just kill bad people. That's what we call mob rule, yeah. essentially. Right? You don't, you don't want that because inevitably someone's going to be like, you know what's bad for America? Graham. Canadians. Yeah, Canadians yeah. are evil that's and I'm going to kill them all. That's not great. Right? That's not great. Right. So if some, and if that's protected by law, well, then he can just go around killing Canadians all day and you can do, say nothing about it. Fair point. Right. Okay. So, but you cannot put to death anyone for the sake of making an example or, or anyone you can leave alive without danger. So if the guy can stay alive and not really cause a danger to anybody, you can leave him alive. That's pretty good. Okay. So as far as law concerned, you guys started asking about this last time. Law. Who makes the laws and how, how do we do that? Well, the sovereign, essentially, the will of the people is what's supposed to make laws, right? But how do we do that? What is the organ for the body politic to declare its will, right? Voting. Um, and who is going to ju- guide its judgment if it can be deceived? What? Well, I mean, like, okay, so you have the will of the body, right? Right. And that can be always for the general good, but it can sometimes be mistaken. So who is the person to give laws to this whole party? How do you do that? Do you gather all the people together and have them all make laws together? No, we elect representatives that are showing off the will of the people. They act as avatars of the will of the people. Yeah, they have delegates. Okay. Or they are, they, yeah, they, we, congressional representation. Okay, essentially, yes. Is that true? Uh, well, kind of. Okay. I'm going to give you both a point and then take that point away because okay. he actually kind of hates representative government. Um, we'll get to that, I think, next episode. Okay. But what his question I think is more about the beginning of the state than the continual running of the mm. state. Who gives the laws at the start? The loudest the guy. The loudest one. <laughs> I have no idea. And Why how do you get that guy to be listened to? Like, how does that process go from the will of the general into a law that will govern the people, especially if the people can be deceived? It's, I still think he sounds like he's in favor of a type of radical democracy that would have it be... Someone puts forth the law, everyone votes on it, and then they just keep going round and round. Because if the will is from all individuals, why wouldn't you need the input of all individuals to make your law? Okay, that's fun. He actually hates democracies? Cool. Um, Okay, so what he he says is that you need a... Rousseau says you should put Rousseau in charge. That's what he says. Kind of. You want to hear the quote? (laughs) Okay. In order to discover the rules of society best suited to nations, a superior intelligence beholding all the passions of men without experiencing any of them would be needed. This intelligence would have to be wholly unrelated to our nature while knowing it through and through. Its happiness would have to be independent of us and yet ready to occupy itself with ours. And lastly, it would have in the march of time to look forward to a distant glory and working in one century to be able to enjoy it in the next. It would take gods to give men laws. He also says that if this guy is going to be making making laws, he shouldn't have any power, right? He shouldn't actually be able to execute those laws upon the people. Uh, So he, and one of my favorite things. So they consult like the deepest feeling, most romantic dude. Wait, he doesn't feel anything. Doesn't he say he's, he's detached from his emotions? Wasn't that in the Rousseau quote? Uh, yeah, he, he needs to kind of know your passions without really feeling, feeling them. them yeah. All right. So he, he, so you go and you consult this like sagey guy. Yes. And he says, these are the laws that you should do, but I'm not going to do it. Yep. And it's up to you whether you listen to me. Yes. Okay. And you're leading right, right into the next question. The whole, it's up to you if you listen to me is the fun part because <laughs> no one listens to philosophers. And he even says this, he's like, Philosophers not only are thinking on a completely different plane, but half the time, no one can understand what the heck they're saying. So this can't be the guy, that, the mouthpiece from which it comes. So is he, is he just making fun of Plato and Aristotle here? Like, is that what this section is? I don't, I don't think so. I think, I think he's saying this is kind of what you need to do. And his solution is to have someone draw up the laws, have no power to actually execute them. And then what you do is you say that they essentially come from the gods. And he says, this happens in a bunch of societies. And there's a little section at the end of this chapter where he says, and you know who's the best at that? <laughs> Israelites. Man, their Ooh. laws coming from God, they really nailed it because, oh boy, is that practical, right? If it's coming from the gods, no men can say, I'm not doing that. And it seems like this divine outer thing, and it's very easy to understand, right? So you make up the laws, this weird sage guy, this head dude in charge, cooks up the laws, and then they come from the gods, and the gods say, this is what's happening. Okay. 
And so then us dummies just buy it. Well, yeah, whole, whole cloth. Okay. Though we can change them, can't we? We don't depend then on the gods to update our laws year to year. No, we don't. I think it's like a foundational system, like setting up the whole legislative system is what this guy is charged with. Sure. And then he does talk about, you know, how to, if, if, we, if we don't like a law, well, they're continuously ratified as we sort of meet together and say, should this law keep being a law? And then eventually we might just say no. And so the oldest laws get veneration because we can consistently change them if we so please, which is kind of what's happening with Roe v. Wade right now. Uh, I, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Sweet. Um, <laughs> it's okay. How can I spice this up for you, Graham? <laughs> no, I know. I was thinking through, I was just thinking through what you were saying before, before you brought it to the present. Okay, that's fine. Um, basically, once the laws are established, people can always change them. Yeah. Right? And the oldest laws often get venerated because they are so old. Yeah. Right? Like the Constitution. Right? Yeah. People rarely are like, you know what? We should whole just ditch that thing and cook up a new one. Yeah. Or the two-term presidential sure. right, thing. And that's and that old ratification, right? We, they get that veneration because we could have changed them many, many, many times yeah. over the years, and we haven't. They've been working, and so we leave them alone. Mm-hmm. But those shorter laws, we, we have to continuously say this is what we want. And we recently, maybe, maybe everyone doesn't agree with this, right? The whole body politic, and that's why we have so much tumult, tumult right now is because sure. the question is whether the Supreme Court is going with the general will. We might have a conflict Gotcha. There, right, where they're they're not actually acting out the general will of the people. Does Rousseau have a category for uh, interpreters of the law? Again, it seems like most things would just go back to general will of the people, which I think how are people feeling some. right now? And then that kind of determines your laws. I would see much more turnover in laws and Rousseau's setting up of the situation, maybe than we see in actual living out of a government. Am I misinterpreting that? Can you, can you restate it? Well, think of name your issue from a hundred years ago that polling went one way and now goes completely a different way. Um, so you have terrible laws about uh, banning interracial marriage, but they were also popular a hundred years ago, but those have changed over time. I'm just like, wouldn't you expect kind of that law to be re-reviewed every single year to see if it matches with the will of the people until suddenly... 4951 switches, and then you keep going on from there. You, you're asking under his system, yes. wouldn't you see like a repeated review of the yes. law? I don't think so. I think we kind of do reflect reflect it because eventually there will be public outcry that this law is stupid and then it'll get changed, right? As soon as the will of the people is against the law, somebody's going to cook up a bill and it's going to go through and we're going to get rid of it, right? It happened with gay marriage. It happened with interracial marriage. It happened with... Um, you know, segregation. It happened with all kinds of things that have changed relatively. I, I say we've seen a lot of law tumult in the last hundred years than we have in a long time. Sure. Even the codifying of the two-term president was after FDR, right? Or, uh, wait, who, who served the third? Oh, this is going to bother me. Wasn't it FDR who served a third term or started a third term and then died in the beginning of mm-hmm. it? Well, that was during war. Yeah, um, sure. I think, I think the two-term I don't know if it was codified, but it was definitely like a precedent before then. The precedent was before then, but I think I think you cannot do that now. Gotcha. I'll go ahead and confirm myself hmm. while I talk. Interesting. Okay, so how, so just to recap, Rousseau says uh, a bunch of sagey, smart people cook up the law and then cloak it with this veil of divinity. Sure. And then say you're free to accept this or not. And then, okay, then who, then what are the organs of actual government then? Okay, the organs of actual government we will, we will get to. He, he, at first he addresses like what kind of people should be governed, mm-hmm. right? So chapter eight, the people. Um, basically, they must be made into a state in their youth. He doesn't really go into a lot of clarity about what this means, but you should catch the people when they are ripe for governing. If you try to catch them too late and they already sort of have their own customs and they're a little bit older and they kind of have a way of doing things, you cannot institute a new system of government. If you try to go too early, it's not going to work. If you got to go try to go too late, it's also not going to work. But he doesn't really give you a good outline for when this is. Later, he'll kind of describe the kind of people that can be governed, but he doesn't really give a, a clear idea of what it means to be at the right time. He does say that Russia did not nail it. He says they tried to uh, give Russia laws before they were... He tried to make them into... 
Englishmen and Germans rather than letting them be Russians. And so by trying to make them something they were not, he sort of, the whole project failed. But Russia's been okay for a long time. They seem to have stuck it out. So I don't know. Yeah, that one is less clear. Okay, question. Should we want many people running the government or few? How many people should we want actually in administrative duties? He calls them magistrates. So there's like the people, there's magistrates. I'm going to go with few magistrates. Okay, why? Um, less people that you need to initiate in on this big con job of the, of the saying that the laws are from the divine when really they're just invented by a dude. Okay, I think we've moved, moved past the whole divine <laughs> thing. Like, the laws are, the state is established, gotcha. right? So now we are in the magistrate, like, making sure the laws actually happen. How many people do we essentially want running the government? I mean, as, as enough people to, the minimal amount of people to make the thing work. Okay. I, I want to take the opposite side, but I can only see that it would be the few. I don't, like, in Rousseau's conception, why do you need many magistrates if all you're doing is matching the will of the people. You essentially need one guy to read the polls and then that tells you what to do if you're following popular will the entire time. Well, I mean, you still have people, like, still got to collect taxes. You still got to have policemen. You still got to have... But do you want lots of those people? I, I can't see a reason why you need... Well, no, you need so many, you know, if you're enforcing every law that's decreed by the will of the people, I don't... I can see the case where you'd need a big enforcement arm to make sure everyone does the thing they say they're going to do. But yeah, that's kind of the thing. Cause this, the sovereign will, this right. general will is indivisible. You can't take a little piece of it. It can never be concerned with particulars. So there's the general will that everyone has their own property. And then I have a dispute with Graham over here mm -hmm. about our property line. Well, the general, we can't send that to the polls. Somebody has to take the law and essentially interpret it. I guess that would be the magistrate. Well, what I'm saying is, is that bridge. if you're only following popular will, by definition, most people follow popular will. So then if there's a land dispute, well, in theory, you and Graham share the same theory of property. And then that should resolve itself more easily. If I'm following Rousseau's argument. Ideally. Which would, which then just leads back to there being few. I'm sure we're wrong based on your pushback right now, but I, I, my answer would be few as well. No, I'm just trying to make it interesting. He says as few as, as possible, okay. essentially. That um, sounds point Graham. Yeah, uh, I gave sure. a point to both, actually. Oh. I mean, we both said it. Yeah, you both said it. Graham wants the point. Would you give Graham that point, please? Uh, you don't want your point? I don't want my point. Yes. Okay, I'll take it away. Does that tie you up? Oh, no, he's two up. points ahead of me. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's two points ahead. Graham has four, Magby has two. That Richly is deserved. Rumored. Yeah. Okay, all right, so here's, a, here's a, a long quote to kind of explain why we want few running the government. So, in every body politic... There is a maximum strength which it cannot exceed and which it only loses by increasing in size. Every extension of the social tie means its relaxation. And generally speaking, a small state is stronger in proportion than a great one. A thousand arguments could be advanced in favor of this principle. First, long distances make administration more difficult just as weight becomes heavier at the end of a long lever. Administration, therefore, becomes more and more burdensome as the distance grows greater. For in the first place... Each city has its own, which is paid for by the people. Each district has its own, still paid for by the people. Then comes each province. Then the great governments, satrapies and vice royalties, always costing more the higher you go and always at the expense of the unfortunate people. Last of all comes the supreme administration, which eclipses all the rest. All these overcharges are a continual drain upon the subjects. So far from being better governed by all these different orders... They are worse governed than if there were only a single authority over them. In the meantime, there scarce remains resources enough to meet emergencies, and when recourse must be had to these, the state is always on the eve of destruction. This is not all. Not only has the government less vigor and promptitude for securing the observance of the laws, preventing nuisances, correcting abuses, and guarding against seditious undertakings begun in distant places, the people has less affection for its rulers, whom it never sees. For its country, which to its eyes seems like the world, and for its fellow citizens, most of whom are unknown to it, the same laws cannot suit so many diverse provinces with different customs, situated in the most various climates, and incapable of enduring a uniform government. Different laws lead only to trouble and confusion among peoples which, living under the same rulers and in constant communication with one another, 
intermingle and intermarry and coming under the sway of new customs never know if they can call their very, patri- their very patrimony their own. Talent is buried, virtue unknown and vice unpunished, and among such a multitude of men who do not know one another gathered together in one place at the seat of central administration. The leaders, overwhelmed with business, see nothing for themselves. The state is governed by clerks. Finally, the measures which have to be taken to maintain the general authority, which all these distant officials wish to escape or to impose upon, absorb all the energy of the public, so there is none left for the happiness of the people. There is hardly enough to defend it when it need arises, and thus a body which is too big for its constitution gives way and falls crushed under its own weight. All right, so that's, that is not only an argument for small government, but small state, mm-hmm. right? So just as few people as possible with as few people to govern them as possible is kind of ideal, right? So big country means I never get to see my president, which is true. I don't think I've ever seen him in, you mean in person, person right. right? I don't know the guy. He mm-hmm. hasn't come, ever come to talk to me and, and figure out what I want. The, pers- the best I have a prayer of reaching in the government is maybe sending a letter to my senator, but let's be honest, they probably won't read it. And that's... But you can watch C-SPAN. Yeah, but I actually have, and there's the problem. He says, my government will feel like the world, right? It's just, it's huge and unwieldy and unfathomable, and I won't actually have any engagement in it. And the people at the very top have no time for, like, me and what's happening with me and the good of the people. They are busy running this giant monster, right? Does that make sense? Sure. Okay. Uh, So, how do we measure the right size of a government, or the right size of a state? How big should it be? Didn't he sort of allude to it that it had to be the size of the group of people that had that shared culture or that shared sovereign, that shared idea of sovereignty? Okay. That's my guess. I, there's no way you're looking for a specific answer on this. Uh, I don't know if he has a category for separating states, because that would be interesting, that you, if you see two popular wills emerging, that it's time to split those two. Um, he says that it shouldn't should never be like that. There shouldn't be societies within a society. But if that happens, then you have to try, make efforts to make them as equal as possible. Okay. Right. Rather than split the state, I think. Okay. Um, well then. Okay. Yeah. Uh, or never. Yeah. I, I have no idea. What's his answer? Graham, I, I think your your answer was probably better than the one he actually gives. Yeah. So half a point. Should I give you half a point? Well, because I because I, I out Rousseau Rousseau. I only give get a half full a point. point. Come on. Yeah, it's not a full point. You didn't get the right answer. <laughs> Fine. I'll take it. Yeah, 4.5. Okay, good job. They all count. Uh, Yep, every little bit. Every little bit helps. So he says, the men make the state and the territory sustains the men. The right relation, therefore, is that the land should suffice for the maintenance of the inhabitants and therefore should be as many inhabitants as the land can maintain. So if you got too few people for a big chunk of land, that's bad. If you got too many people for a small chunk of land, that's bad, right? Makes sense. Yeah. So if, if, uh, if we have too much land, it's going to go uncultivated and we're going to get people that are going to invade and try to take it from us, right? Because we can't defend it. We don't have enough to defend it. There's a problem there. There's animals. Right. And what, what are the problems if your land is too small to sustain the inhabitants? What happens in a state? You get Easter Island. What happened to Easter? No, they all fell. Uh, the society fell apart. Yeah, you over farm the resources. You okay. can't regenerate anything. Yep. You, you run out of food. You starve. Right. Um, well, I mean, yeah, and so to stave off starving, you have to become dependent on other states, mm-hmm. and then you get into wars of offense rather than defense. Like, sure. I need something from somebody else, and they have to give it to me because yeah. we got too many dang people. Like right? the, the, the argument that Nazi Germany gave in World War II, the breathing room, that we need to go invade the Czech Republic because we need the space for the German people. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. Okay. He, he does give a quick list of what kind of people are fit for legislation. I don't even think we need to go into that. And, okay, what is, maybe I'll ask this one. So on the various systems of legislation, mm-hmm. what is the end or telos of every system of legislation? He gives two things that it should be aiming for. I'll give a point apiece. Of every system of the government. So, yeah, what is the end? What is it aiming for? The... You phrased it earlier. I don't remember how you phrased it. Something to the effect of the good of the people, but I don't know what that means. Or the, enacting the will of the people. Okay. Enacting the will is a good answer. Give and him that a is a good answer. You guys are out Rousseauing Rousseau. He says liberty and equality. Oh, oh. well, there you go. Very French. But the, yeah. So this is, is this then where he's smuggling in the values that actually should govern the people? Can you imagine a group of people deciding that liberty and equality shouldn't be valued 
can they then install laws that are opposed to liberty and equality? Are you saying that the general will, if it's totally wackadoo, could get a totally wacky government? Yeah. My example from before about uh, once upon a time interracial marriage being illegal, it was wrong when it was illegal. It did not suddenly become, it was wrong that there were laws against it um, whenever those were um, enacted. It didn't suddenly the rightness of it didn't change when the public will changed. It was always wrong. Okay. So your position is that the general will should not necessarily. I'm asking if Rousseau has an, any way of thinking. You, you just told me that liberty and equality are things that matter to Rousseau. Yes. If a general will tries to pass laws that are contrary to liberty and equality, can they do that? I would, man, I think, I think this is probably I think the answer has to be yes. Right. If, if the, if the will is to. sovereign, then, then like, a group of dummies can screw themselves over uh, by, according to Rousseau. Yeah, but I think I think this is where you might have to think about, okay, can the people be mistaken about what is for their good? Right, yeah, and this is... Well, you said that, he yes, says, he, he says that, yes. And so I think this is where you might get into trouble with Rousseau, is that he says the people get to determine, determine everything, but they often make mistakes. So who who gets to correct those mistakes and actually be in charge? Is it the people themselves? Is it... The legislation, is it this one sage on the hill who made the government at the beginning? I, I haven't seen a good answer for it yet. What happens when the people has a really bad idea, right? He, I guess he's just, he says the state kind of fails, right? But. So he said it was freedom and equality, those are the two ones? Uh, liberty and equality. Liberty and equality. So what hap- So uh, what happens if, like, liberty then starts to change, equal- like equality of what? Like if I'm free to start a business and my business totally fails and I'm like destitute and you are, you start a business and your business is super awesome and you make a lot of money and now you're super rich and I'm super poor um, and you can like do more stuff with your money and I can't. Like, so uh, are, oh, man, are we you now are leading equal? you right into are this quote that equal? I have right here. Are we Did like, you, where, 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 have where, you read this recently, Graham? I haven't, no. Okay. okay, so he says, by equality, we should understand not that, the deg- not that the degrees of power and riches are to be absolutely identical for everybody. Mm-hmm. So no equality of okay. outcome. But that power shall never be great enough for violence and shall always be exercised by virtue of rank and law. And that in respect of riches... No citizen shall ever be wealthy enough to buy another and none poor enough to be forced to sell himself, which implies on the part of the great moderation in goods and position and on the side of the common sort moderation in avarice and covetousness. So yeah, it's fine. You can have a successful business, Mm -hmm. right? You should not be allowed to exert violent power over anybody else, right? Which we're doing pretty good with. And you should never be forced to sell yourself into slavery. Okay. And riches in someone never so great that they could buy you. Yeah. Which feels weird because then it seems like we're talking about a different kind of thing, right? Where if slavery is allowed. Well, but I mean, you could also substitute that too. Like you have to, you're not selling yourself into slavery, but you do need to get a certain amount of money in order to pay your property taxes. Right? Like. Like, if you want to own property, which is one of the backbones he has in the system, Mm -hmm. and the government demands a certain percentage of that as taxes a year, at some level, you need to sell your time or you need to have some kind of job or create or get some kind of money in order to be able to pay the government. Um, So he's saying that, like, you can't have individual people who have force, who are so rich that they can that they can force you to do things. Yeah. But you can have the government be rich enough to force you to do things. Sure. Um, the government actually, he, he says the government should have a lot of force. Yeah. And the bi- bigger the number of people, so the, monopoly, the greater the force yeah. you need. We'll, we'll get to that. The monopoly we, on force. The government is the monopoly on violence. Yep. Kind and of he, he talks about the level of force needed and, and what kind of government is best. That's what I'm actually excited about getting to is he says, here are the three types of government. Here's the one you want. So then is... He would he see it as selling yourself into bondage to be to ha- partaking in the social contract, like if if the government is saying you know you have to pay we'll use a property tax example like if you want all the benefits of property ownership you have to pay property taxes mm-hmm. to the government and if you don't we're going to take your house and if you resist us we're going to shoot you. Um, he says individuals can't do that but government can do that. So yep. then does is that is is Rousseau essentially saying that? then you are at some level having to sell yourself into bondage to the, to the state. 
Yes, and I think that the difference here would he wouldn't call it bondage because you can leave. Yeah, like you don't have to. Be but you can't have the property. No, you cannot stay here. Yeah. Have your property because the par- property. What do you mean is, leave? Like go to it? Like geographically leave? Like yeah, em- like emigrate? Leave, yeah, get out of the country. Yeah, and you can here, right? It would be it would be different if you were not allowed to leave the states. If yeah. you were compelled into the social contract, like in sure, like in communist Russia when you when they yeah. put up a wall. But <laughs> you're not. Yeah, like you can leave America. I, I guess but you can decide to go somewhere else if they'll have you. Yeah, right. You are trying to. You would be in that case. I think trying to opt into a different social contract, yeah. one that you're more aligns with what you want. But right? you, you are allowed to leave the U.S. We, but we you can't leave. You can't leave the society and stay within the bounds of the country. Yes, like I can't they, opt out and say I'm going. There's not like a, a fr, like a uh, like a free land where like. Like you can just sort of go and squat. Badlands, Florida yeah. or something, where you yeah, could just yeah. go and have property and like just in Canada, defend just, it with your tooth and nail and in, your guns and stuff. In Canada, you just go north until you don't see anybody anymore. Well, at that point, like, who's going to stop you? But the, well, that's, the, the land probably, are, you know, is maintained by the government and still owned by it if they ever find you. Yeah. And so I know. Like, it's, yeah, anyway. Your property here is supported. Like, your right to have that property is supported mm-hmm. by the government, yeah. which means that you are getting something from them, and that is that you get to set your boundaries and no one will come on there. And the only way to opt out is ju- is to opt out is of to the entire vote, contract. Vote with your feet. You got to leave. Yep. Yeah. Or overthrow if the will of, if everybody's will, if the will of everybody's on your side. Yeah. If everyone's like, man, this whole property thing ain't quite working out. The laws are a little goofy. We got to change this mess. Yeah. Yeah. And you can. Yeah. Right. I guess. Yeah. I just. I mean, I, I'm going back and forth between like, does this? Is he? Does he sound very like? Is he a lot more on, like, the libertarian side of things, or is he a lot more on, like, the fascist centralized control side of things? Like, I can't quite pin him down on this. I think, I, I, actually, I actually thought about this as I read, and I think it's libertarian. I don't know, man. You said small state earlier. S- yeah, yes. small government as much as possible. Um, but he doesn't like the authoritarian. Oh, man, we're getting to it. Right, we're going. getting to the three systems of government here at the end. Okay, so he talks about the four, as it, when it comes to law and what kind of laws should be made, he talks about the four types of relationships that should be considered when making laws. One is the sovereign to the state, or basically the whole to the whole. How our will corresponds to how the state actually implements the laws. Relationship number two is from the members to another or to the body as a whole. So how the citizen relates to the state and to each other, right? So we should be independent of the rest and totally dependent on the state, is what he says. So I don't have to get anything from you, but everything else I get from the government. All my rights, everything, like my property, all of that stuff is government, government's in charge, right? What about like your groceries? I mean, essentially the government can still be in charge of those. Hmm. Okay. I mean, it's like pretty much everything. Um, and then between the individual to the law, right? When you disobey, there has to be a penalty, mm-hmm. right? This is criminal, criminal laws. And then the weird one, and this is where I think your question comes in, is morality, so along with these three goes a fourth, the most important kind of law, morality, and, and custom. Here's a quote for you. Along with these three kinds of law goes a fourth, most important of all, which is not graven on tablets of marble or brass, but on the hearts of its citizens. This forms the real constitution of the state, takes on everyday new powers when other laws decay or die out, restores them or takes their place, keeps a people in the ways in which it was meant to go, and insensibly replaces authority by the force of habit. I'm speaking of morality, of custom, above all of public opinion, a power unknown to political thinkers, on which nonetheless success in everything else depends. With this, the great legislator concerns himself in secret, though he seems to confine himself to particular regulations, for these are only the arc of the arch, while manners and morals, slower to arise, form in the end its immovable keystone. So that's the fourth thing that a legislator has to think of is the morals and the customs of its people. Okay. Yeah. It, and those things can contradict the sovereign, the general will, correct? I, that's what he's saying right there. Well, I don't think so. It says uh, above all public opinion. So it seems like they're the same thing. Oh, well, then that's bad. That means that, yeah, I guess in any system you still have a problem where someone can do bad things, but um, yeah. That doesn't strike you as a problem that, I don't know, even defining morality as public opinion seems like he's kind of smuggling in a view toward how do we determine what is right? We determine it through voting. Yeah, I think I'm I'm sort of picking up on your discomfort here, and it's that he doesn't appeal to any greater system than just public opinion, sure. right? 
that there's no we should set up laws because certain things are good and certain things are bad, but we should set up laws because the Twitter pool because yes. we all feel that a certain thing yeah. should happen. And maybe it's outside the scope of because ultimately the morality then lies with the people who are determining for themselves what is right and what is wrong. They get to determine that system for themselves. And we, so you, it's kind of missing the point. You have all this moral argument at the individual level. Rousseau's talking about at the state level. What do you then do with all that will? So you're saying it's, it's okay that it's sort of determined by public opinion? I'm just saying I think he's answering a different question than what is right and what is wrong in politics. He's just saying, uh, yeah, that it's figured out individually, not at the state. I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm just saying I think that's... You said before you wanted to get through books three and four or whatever. You wanted to get through two oh, we're, books we're today. doing fine on time. Okay. I, we kind of hustled through a big chunk of that. Okay. Because I'm wanting you to get out, get through his argument. I don't want to... I'm not sitting here to tear apart his argument. I want to make sure we portray it accurately. So, is Rousseau saying then that laws are downstream from, like, public opinion? And so, like, to use maybe your example of interracial marriage, Rousseau would look at that and be like, yeah, that... That is a consequence of the social contract is when you have a bunch of people who think wrongly on, a, on an issue, the government's going to be the re- reflection of that, of wrongness. that, of that wrongness. Um, and I think that's true. Mm-hmm. Right. I think if in the As point a, where, yeah. I mean, whatever you want to say about it, if there was a law that is immoral, right, say we can use interracial marriage as a, as the example, right, that's an, it's immoral to forbid that, right, it's, it's wrong. Yeah. But the people all see it as okay, then eventually they're going to overthrow that law. Like they are, they are not going to be okay with a government that doesn't see things the way that they want to see it. Right. If that's the will of the people, like practically, I think that law is going to go is, is going to stay even though it's a bad law. Yes. That, but that's why earlier I was asking about whether Rousseau has a conception of interpretation of law. Cause the, the, I think it's loving V Virginia is the big Supreme court case that, um, yeah, prohibits governments from discriminating against individuals on the basis of race. I think this is the one that allows interracial marriage. So that was a Supreme Court case, not the will of the people, which I think we would understand as people being voted into office and changing a law. Mm-hmm. So, so, but Rousseau doesn't have a conception. If laws are bad, the populace will realize that and then change it themselves. Isn't that Rousseau's ordering? Yeah. Yeah, I, well, because he's, he's not talking about one specific system of government, right? And you could trace a line all the way back to the people. We elected representatives, and we elected a president. That president elected justices, right? So eventually it was the public that said, this is what we want. We want a president of this sort yeah. who will elect this sort of Supreme Court justice. And that's what happened, is we got a certain set of Supreme Court justices via the will of the people, and then laws changed. But we also we also have a document, we have a constitution that falls back on that even if it goes outside the will of the people it's still the foundation of of society so because he's not talking Rousseau doesn't seem to have any any uh, uh concept of a of a codified or calcified document that the, the 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 that is the foundation of the system of government it is this sort of constant um, um, sort of temperature check from the will of the people. No, I mean, so I think he does have that conception of that, but I think he's right in saying that there is a constant temperature check. If yeah. at any moment... Ah, so he's saying even if you have that document, that document is going to be subservient because of, of to the will of the people because you have everybody who... Like if, 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 if eventually if, if everybody says, you know what, screw the Constitution, like that's going to win out then the document. Exactly. If we if we as a collective people said, you know, this Constitution thing ain't working out, like we don't like it. We don't like that the Supreme Court exists. We don't like the way presidents are doing. We don't like our elected representatives. We don't like that, that there are three branches and they have checked. We don't like this. Eventually, we okay. wouldn't use it. But doesn't right? isn't we have been continuously ratifying it since it was there and we've been amending it to make it better reflect the will of the people. But isn't this the reason why Plato back when we did Republic says that pure democracies eventually just sort of spin themselves out into like f- factions and fever dreams and they they sort of spin out like like uh, churches that split, and then you have you know like before long you've got a thousand different denominations because every because you have the it's because the will of the people is going to sort of separate itself into into smaller and smaller chunks. Like isn't like 
Am I remembering Plato correctly in saying that that's why he says that a pure democracy doesn't work because the will of the people over time, the center the, the center is not going to hold? Well, he sort of addresses this. The problem with the people is that we have we have our priorities exactly sort of opposite, right? As even the legislators. Mm-hmm. We are first individuals, where mm-hmm. we care about ourselves, and then we care about like who's ruling us and how we do the ruling. And then lastly, we care about the general opinion, right? That is sort of last in our estimation. And to rule well, it has to be the opposite. It has to be 0% about self, partially about who's ruling, and 100% about the good of the state, mm-hmm. right? And so he actually addresses how that works out in various forms of government and how that kind of fits. He also hates democracies. Yeah. 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 Except that he's basing it on, he's basing the social contract on... Will. On, yeah, will of groups of people. Yeah. Majority will of groups of people. But is, and I see the difficulty there, right? Where you say democracy is kind of dumb, but this is all dependent on the will of people. How do we reconcile the two? Because he is maintaining both. But what's his separation? How does he distinguish the will of the people, which I believe he means literally what do people think is popular or what is popular based on asking lots of people? How does he distinguish that from democracy if he is in favor of the first and opposes the second? Man, I don't know. Because those, those seem very related to each other. And if they're, again, if you have popular will, it's mediated by some representative, and that representative has these values of liberty and equality that they're holding to, I can see that making sense. I just don't know if that's Rousseau's system. Oh, the representative system? Mm-hmm. You said no. You said he doesn't like that either, right? Uh, sort of. Uh, let's let's get there. Let's get to the three systems of government. Um, okay. So we talked about how big the how powerful should the government be. Basically, it has to have enough power to govern all its citizens, right? So, if there's only twenty people, it doesn't have to be that powerful. Just you have to overcome twenty people. If it's a hundred thousand people, you need to have a lot more power in order to you know make things happen. Um, should oh, here's a quick question as we get to the three systems of government. Um, should rulers get any sort of honors that are different from the fellow citizens? Like titles, distinguishments, privileges? Yes. Okay. No. At least a fancy sash. No, because all they're doing is instantiating the will of the people. So the people are primary. So they're just statisticians? Yeah, we should all be (laughs) ruled by statisticians. That's my uh, position. Who's right? Uh, Donathan is right. That's... Fancy sad. Give him that yep. five and a half. What's he up to? Five and a half. V2? Five and a half. Five yeah. and a half V. I think. Yeah. I'm locked in. V2. You are locked in. I'm in the point. zone. Yeah, you are. Uh, I gave, I think I just gave you a point for some reason. I'll take that about it too. Um, yeah. He says uh, governing is hard, right? <laughs> okay. It's, it's really difficult. And so to entice people to do it, they should get something for something out of it. They should get like fancy license plates so they can not get pulled over. They should get, I don't know, like, $100,000 speaking jobs, which are totally not bribes, but are, you know, just like uh, speaking gigs mm-hmm. so you can dispense your wisdom on us. These are nice theoretical um, examples you're giving us right now. You should get like, uh, you know, like some cushy job at Goldman Sachs when you're done. Right. And, uh, yeah. Oh, man. Megby just showed me that how much time we have left. We got just like seven minutes. Keep going. Okay. So. Will uh, the people, man. Uh, they can stop the podcast whenever they want. That's true. Divisions of governments. You said that's the one you want to get to. It is. All right. Let's do it. We're doing it in seven minutes. So I already said he doesn't like democracy. Um, It's so he doesn't like it because it's not good for him who makes the laws to execute them or for a body of people to turn its attention away from general standpoint and devote it to particular objects. So it's bad for me to pay attention to the particular and be the guy in charge of doing disputes, right? If I had a land dispute with you, mm-hmm. we don't want Maggie to, the, to be the one taking care of it, right? I, I don't want to bring it to the general population of the school and say, who wins this, right? That seems like getting everybody else involved in my business. I don't, I don't want that. That's not a good thing. Um, and it's, there's all kinds of things that go into making a good democracy. And by the way, it's good for small peoples, really bad for large peoples. So you got to be able to get together on a repeated basis, right? We got to be able to assemble and vote um, there has to be a simplicity in manners to prevent business from multiplying and raising thorny problems. You ever been in a meeting that has too many people in it? Sure. 
Oh yeah, that's um, we'll imagine that on a governmental scale. Sure. Right. Put two thousand people in a room and try to get something done. Um, large measure of equality in rank and fortune. Right. So because if you have one guy that's richer and more powerful than everybody else, well, what he says is probably what's going to go. Right. Especially if he employs everybody, mm. that's not going to be true democracy. Um, can't have luxuries because luxuries makes wealthy. Can't have the poor get in there because they'll be covetous. Virtue becomes a necessity. It's just like, man, this is a system for gods, not men. People just aren't good enough for this. Okay, how does he? How do you think he feels about aristocracy? Bad. Yeah, or nay? Nay. He's all for it. Let's get. Uh, there's people who are just better point. than us. Point. Get Donaldson. Point. He is a fan of the aristocracy. They just get us better than we get ourselves. They just, they can understand us. Yeah. They are... Well, not, not, he doesn't mean necessarily just in terms of they're wealth. They're the elves, we're the hobbits. Although he does think that wealth makes it easier for him because they have more time to rule if I'm not worried about making cash, okay. right? I can devote myself to state matters and I don't have, have to be selfish now for myself if I can provide for myself already, right? I think his idea is that it should be an elected aristocracy, Right. Okay. So not natural, meaning like fathers, born into it. mm-hmm. and it's not hereditary. He doesn't like hereditary aristocracy. That's bad. So it's like some sort of some sort of meritocracy. Yeah, a meritocracy is, I think, exactly what he's imagining. Okay. Right, the wisest, smartest people should be the ones in. But charge. they're voted. But they are voted by the will of the people. By the will of the people. Okay, monarchy, yay or nay? Nay. Also, yes, I'm going to go with. Well, I'll go with Ye just to be just to be opposite. Maybe he likes that king, he, uh, they, he and he should be a voted king. Did he literally just say he doesn't like the king? I know. He uh, should be someone who's voted in as the best. He's of us. he's down on monarchies. Aww. He says, "Man, it would be great if they were awesome and wonderful people, but unfortunately, they are not. They are terrible and dumb and awful, and that we should not have them do it." Okay, let's see. Here's a fun. Here's a fun quote. An essential and inevitable defect which will always rank monarchical below the Republican government, is that in a republic, the public voice hardly ever raises to the highest positions men who are not enlightened and capable, and such as to fill them with honor. While in monarchies, those who rise to the top are most often merely petty blunderers, petty swindlers, and petty intriguers whose petty talents cause them to get into the highest positions at court, but as soon as they have got there, serve only to make their ineptitude clear to the public. The people is far less often mistaken in its choice choice than the prince, and a man of real worth among the king's ministers is almost as rare as a fool at the head of a republican government. Thus, when by some fortunate chance one of these born governors takes the helm of the state in some monarchy that has been nearly overwhelmed by swarms of gentlemanly administrators, there is nothing but amazement at the resources he discovers, and his coming marks an era in the country's history. Basically, it's pretty rare, and when it happens to get a good king, it's... It's great because it's you've incredible. had such crap for so long. Yeah. So he likes... So he wants the, the representative government of of our betters being voted into positions. Yeah, yeah, which sounds representative. I remembered that he doesn't like a representative government for some reason, but I think it's in the next section, and we'll talk about it next time. Okay. So... Have we done the four? That, that was the three no. types of government. Oh. So there wasn't four in his. There's monarchy, aristocracy, and democracy. Okay. He doesn't like two, and he says... So aristocracy he likes. Aristocracy, okay. So okay. Rousseau would be totally down with the U.S. He thinks we're doing uh, a great job. We vote in our obvious betters. I, I wonder if he would think our state is too big. Oh. And he says that uh, a monarchy is best for a really big state, right? Because they can, they can get stuff done, right? They can make things happen. But you're going to get dumb monarchs, and even trying to educate young kings doesn't help. They're all stupid and do a terrible job. Mm. And so you just, you're out of luck, and the, heredi- the hereditary inheritance of kings is really bad. So I, don't, I don't honestly don't know what he would say. I think he would probably just say that we're too big. And I wonder what he would think of our state system. True. Right? But surely like, we, t- we go through efforts to make mm. smaller forms of government. Mm-hmm. True. And even smaller than states, right? You can get yeah. to your city, to your county. Yeah. City, county. Smaller than that. Yeah. Your HOA board. Your HOA board. Exactly, right? So we do have like tiny little systems of government. I just wonder how he would feel about the giant hmm. behemoth that is our government. That's why I say he feels kind of libertarian to me. Small government. Okay, yeah. maybe. I don't know. I'm still feeling like he's setting up a, a pretty powerful uh, structure. Like the government. Sorry, it's just the, that uh, saying that some point he was talking about that the government should be the sole supplier of all things and that 
Remember I said, where do you get your groceries from? Well, Graham, I think when the government isn't involved, we call it a black market. Huh? No, no. I mean, like the, 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 yeah. the, like the free market, the free purchasing oh. of goods between individuals. Uh, but it's regulated to... by our government. Right. So Our yeah. government regulates our free market. It's not totally free. You're not buying it from the government. You're not buying groceries from the government, to Graham's point. But the government is protecting the property rights of those corporations gotcha. that are moving groceries. And if someone decides to steal bananas, the government steps in. They right? It, they basically control the commerce. The gotcha. government is so still some, in charge. So you're talking about guardrails as opposed to, like, Literally. complete centralized. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But if at one point... I think if our government was like, okay, no produce moves today, and it'll be enforced by the police, could that happen? I mean, you would you would get the you would get black market so fast. Like, if you want to buy raw milk, you can find raw milk. It's just it's illegal. Yeah, sure. I'm just saying that the government has still has power over that market. We have given it the power to sort of regulate it, even if we don't feel like it is. Gotcha. That power is still there. All right. Well, any any last thoughts? Oh man, that was a lot. Sorry, that was guys. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm into it. Well, this has been classical stuff you should know with Graham Thomas and AJ, um, whose podcast exists because of the general will of the three of us. True. Uh, we have entered into a social contract, and by our general will, we have created this podcast. And you have to listen to it. No. And I've given these guys completely control over everything in my life. That's right. <laughs> um, and we thank you for your listenership and your patronage. You can find us on Patreon at Classical Stuff on Patreon. You can find us on Twitter. You can email us at theguysatclassicalstuff.net and we welcome your feedback and praises. <laughs> and criticisms, I guess. We can welcome that too. That's true. Anyway, um, and we will catch you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.